0: View Radio, a weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, uh, I'd like to discuss uh, a new topic today. And uh, as I was doing the introduction there, I think I might have to modify it. A weekly podcast for Wayne County. I know I've been a little bit up and down recently, um, but uh, trying to. Uh, keep as consistent as I can uh, right now. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll be a little more consistent for the next few weeks as we go through uh, this new topic that I'd like to touch on. really want to touch on the topic what is faith and the definition and role of faith in the life of the believer. And part of the reason I've wanted to do this uh, for a little bit, I uh, actually want to do something on faith and repentance, uh, planning on doing uh, repentance in our uh, at, at Crossview Church, uh, the afternoon service, um, uh, some point later this year, possibly maybe on the podcast as well. But uh, for now, we'll uh, work on faith. And one of the reasons that I uh, wanted to—or to, another reason I wanted to touch on this topic was because we recently, as a church, have gone through— um, Genesis fifteen six, and some of the New Testament passages which deal with that verse, and of course that verse is the verse about uh, Abraham believing the Lord and God counting it to him as righteousness, uh, and it's just taken up um, with a significant amount of commentary in the New Testament, Romans 4, Galatians 3, James chapter 2, all touching on that. And so we've been talking a lot about faith, we've been talking about how faith is credited to us as righteousness, and what that means, and one of the things that I failed to do was to really give a good definition of faith, and so I want to take the opportunity to do that here. Uh, If you are one who uh, has not heard that series, um, you're welcome to check that out online Uh, the last few weeks and Sundays, uh, we've been uh, taking a look at that passage um, and uh, if you have been in the church and listened to that, then uh, you kind of have a little bit of background context, but either way, you um, should be able to pick up with uh, where we're going uh, today. The verse, Genesis 15-6, uh, is pretty significant in the New Testament. Um, I want to give a summary from Galatians chapter 3 on the significance of this verse, and again, Genesis fifteen six is and he, that is Abraham, believed the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted to him, Abraham, as righteousness. This is uh, justification, sometimes it's referred to as forensic justification. We're simply declared to be righteous apart from our works. And Paul writes in Galatians 3, 5-9, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. What Paul is saying is that Genesis fifteen six teaches that we're justified by faith and not works faith alone. Um, in case it's not clear that it applies to us and not just Abraham, uh, Romans four twenty three through twenty five says the words "It was counted to him" were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe, who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. In other words. Um, the uh, righteousness that was imputed to Abraham can be imputed to us too. It wasn't just written for him, it was written for us uh, as well. So for our purposes today, we really want to ask ourselves the question, what is this faith that we continually refer to in scripture? And um, what, what I'd like to do is start with Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, which says, now faith... "...is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen." This is a basic biblical definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, There are three aspects that I would suggest to us uh, that are commonly referred to as a definition for faith— Uh, I'm going to give you the definition uh, that John Murray gives. He says this, quote, faith is knowledge passing into conviction, and it is conviction passing into confidence, end quote. So you have three aspects of faith. You have knowledge, conviction, and trust. And all I want to do today is just touch on the first one, which is knowledge, and over the next... A couple of episodes, we will plan, Lord willing, on touching on these other ones, conviction and trust, but we'll just simply talk about knowledge uh, as, as the first one here today. You cannot have saving faith if you do not have knowledge. Uh, you must know certain facts if you are going to be able to respond to those facts. If you're going to trust in Christ, uh, you need to know who Christ is, uh, and certainly— we understand this from an earthly perspective. Your relationship with your spouse is dependent upon your knowledge of your spouse. And so the better you know your spouse, the better your relationship. And if you don't know your spouse at all, then you don't even have a relationship with him or her. Uh, sometimes Christians are accused of spending too much time uh, poring over the Bible and studying it too much, and it's been said that we don't spend enough time uh, out Helping the poor or living out our faith or whatever it is. we need to be the church more than we are. Um, now I, I will I don't want to give a, a full response to that, but just to say it, it is hard to broadly paint over a large group of Christians with a statement like that. Uh, we do need to understand that that sometimes there is some truth to uh, a claim like that. After all, James says that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. Um, but, but I would suggest that we also need to understand and recognize that there is an urgency behind theologically informed worship. Uh, so what I'm saying is that we don't want to exclude either one. We, we want both. We want uh, behavior that is motivated by deep theology by theologically informed worship. Steve Lawson has said, our worship of God will rise no higher than our knowledge of God. There is to be an urgency behind our worship of God, which requires a knowledge of God, which requires that we look to the Scripture. Uh, And when, uh, to to borrow an example from the Bible, when the woman uh, anointed Jesus with costly perfume— And when those present scolded her and said she could have used the money to feed the poor, Jesus said in Mark 14, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me, for you will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. And so uh, I would suggest that worship does not always need to be pitted against social action. But if it does... Jesus prioritizes worship. Uh, so I'm not really interested in giving you a ratio today of this much time reading your Bible and this much time uh, in the community, doing uh, helping people socially or whatever it might be. Um, we don't have this magic number of, of how we're to uh, divide up our time that way. We should be doing both, uh, and perhaps maybe uh, we could talk about that another time, but um, i would I would suggest I would suspect uh, that if we took a look at our uh, calendar, at our agendas, that we could all of us could make valuable changes in the way that we're spending our time. Uh, but this is getting a little bit beyond my point the, the The point today is to merely acknowledge that we cannot abandon our desire to know God better and we cannot abandon our desire, to prioritize the pursuit of knowing God. The greatest commandment in all of Scripture is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If that is the greatest commandment, then we need to devote a significant amount of our time engaging in that, and the way to do that is through a knowledge of God— um. while we do recognize that faith must ultimately get to the heart, because we want to emphasize that, while we know that faith has to get to the heart, God has designed it so that it must first go through the mind. And so we cannot cast off a desire for a knowledge of God. Now, remember, we're talking about faith and defining faith. If you are going to trust in Christ and it's going to get to the heart level, it's got to go through the mind. Romans 10 is crucial for this. Verses 14 through 17 says this, how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How how is someone going to trust in Christ if they don't believe in him? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? They've got to hear about Christ first if they're going to believe in him, right? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord who has believed what he's heard from us. So, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So, for us to get to the part of faith that involves the will, which is what we typically most often think of faith as the part, the volitional aspect where our will is involved, the trust aspect, for it to get there, it first has to go through the mind. You can't just have a faith in nothing. You can't just say, I'm trusting something to rescue me. You have to trust in Christ to rescue you, and that's what Romans 10 says. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. If you don't have the word, you can't hear the word. And if you can't hear the word, you can't have faith. So knowledge is involved in our faith. You have to know what you're trusting in. You have to know Christ. You have to know what he has done. Uh, If this were unnecessary and you did not need to know, then preaching would not be needed. The whole point of preaching is that people would hear the word. So we need to have knowledge, okay? But let me ask this question to kind of push this a little bit further. Um, What is the content of that knowledge, and how much knowledge is enough? For example, do we need to understand angelology? That is the theology and doctrine of angels. Do we need to understand eschatology? That is the doctrine of the end times before we can be saved. Uh, How much knowledge is enough knowledge to be saved? Do we have to have read the whole Bible? Do we need to know and be able to doctrinally defend everything in the Scripture? Uh, I would suggest to us that there are several verses that give to us an answer to this question, and I'm going to to read some of these verses. And these uh, verses are going to tell us what is necessary to come to Christ. So the first one is going to tell us this. We need to know, we need to have knowledge that salvation is through faith and not works. And the verse for this is Galatians 2.16. And that says this, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So we have to know that salvation is by faith and not works. We also need to know, secondly... That Jesus was raised from the dead. We need to believe in, or at this point we're talking about just knowledge. We need to know that Jesus was raised from the dead. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe what? what? What is the content of belief? And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, if that is the content of your belief, you know the resurrection has taken place, you'll be saved. We also need to know that Jesus is God, John 8, 24. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, You will die in your sins. You have to believe that Jesus is God. You have to know who Christ is. Next, you must know that Jesus is the Messiah. John 20, 31. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, which is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So we are to know that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah. And that when we believe that, we have life in his name. We also need to know that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We cannot please God apart from faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So whoever would draw near to God, you want to be close to God, you want to have your sin removed so you can be close to God. Whoever would draw near to God has to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I would suggest one more thing that we need to know, and I think it's implied by all of these passages, and the implication is that we have a need. Uh, We need to know that we are sinners in need of faith in this Messiah. The point of all of this is to say That we cannot have true faith if we do not have knowledge, and that knowledge needs to be of a certain content. It's not a guess, it's knowledge. It's also important to understand that this component of faith, which is the component of knowledge, reminds us that faith and reason are not opposed to one another. Why is faith reasonable? Because it's founded upon the sure word of God, not upon some wish upon a star. Knowledge means that it is not a leap in the dark, according to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith can and does make us go against our senses. Um, when Abraham was presented with God's promise, he had in front of him evidence of his experience, which said he could not have children, Um, he also had in front of him the evidence of God's word. He believed God's word even when it went against the evidence of his experience. This is what faith is. It is not a blind leap in the dark. It is confidence in the revealed word of God. That's the evidence. The evidence is God's word. Trusting in Christ is not a blind leap in the dark. We have the word of God. It has all been given to us in the Word. The question is whether or not we will trust in it. And by God's grace, we'll continue to look at this idea of faith over the next few weeks and see how it is more than just knowledge. It is also conviction and confidence. If all we have is knowledge, that is insufficient. So so we're going to conclude this today, but I'm not suggesting that this is all that faith is, we're just saying that this is part of what faith is. We have to know who Christ is, and and we'll see this as we continue on in James 2, where um, James writes that the demons believe and shudder. I mean, even they have a knowledge of God. So, knowledge is necessary for salvation, but it is not sufficient in itself. If all we have is knowledge, that is insufficient. We must actually believe it and trust it. And Lord willing, we'll see this as we continue. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.